Today we look at the key roles that the Jets will need to fill this offseason. That's ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Friday, January 28th, 2022. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and thank you for making this show your first listen every day. Now, over the last couple of days, we've taken a look at some of the key needs for the Jets entering the offseason, and the focus has been on positions. Which starting roles are the Jets weakest at? And that's an important thing to take stock of entering the offseason, because you always want to make sure you improve your weakest areas. But... I don't think needs are solely based on position. I think there are certain roles every team needs to have to be successful. And it's not always purely based on position because some of these roles can be filled by players at different positions. You, you just need to make sure you have somebody to fill those roles. And on today's show, I'm going to talk about what I think the key roles are that the Jets need to fill this offseason. Now, there's some good news to this. I think for all three of the roles I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about what I think are the top three, the Jets do have some internal candidates who could potentially grow into them. It's not a guarantee. These are players who would need to improve their games, but these are players who could plausibly fill these roles for this team going forward. So I'm going to begin with number three. And for me, number three is the number one, is a number one corner. And this is really something that can only be filled by a corner. The other roles we're going to talk about could conceivably be filled by players at multiple positions, but I really think in this league, you want to have a number one corner. That's somebody you can trust out on an island against the other team's best receivers. And the Jets do have somebody who could plausibly fill that role. Now, I have expressed my own skepticism about whether Bryce Hall is a number one corner. And don't get me wrong, I like Bryce Hall. I think he's a starter in this league. I think he's a quality player. I think he exceeded expectations this season, he was a question mark entering the year. And he he went out there and did a very credible job. I think he showed he's a player in this league. And frequently what happens in the NFL is some player falls to your team in the fifth round. And you think he's a steal because you read some scouting reports, you read some analysts who liked him. And many times that player does not live up to the hype. Bryce Hall was a player who fell to the fifth round to the Jets in the 2020 draft. There was lots of talk. He went later than he should have. This was a potential bargain for the Jets in the fifth round. It's a guy who could have gone second round, third round. And it feels like that actually has played out for this team because this guy's a legitimate starter at this corner position and looks like he's a part of this team going forward in the future. Now, is he a number one corner? I don't know about that. I think there were some rough games where he had to match up with the other team's best receivers. So maybe Bryce Hall's not the number one corner. You know, I talked about corner yesterday when I discussed what I thought were the big needs on defense. I felt like this spot across from Bryce Hall is really a question mark because you have Brandon Eccles there, who was a rookie, but a guy who was a late round pick, did not have a great pedigree, and despite having a few good moments, really did not acquit himself all that well, I thought. This is a little bit different, what I'm saying now. I'm saying that the Jets need somebody who can match up with the other team's best receiver. It's one thing to say we, we can get a credible player at the at one of the starting corner slots. 
it's different to say you need a number one corner. And I think that's what the Jets need right now. It could be Bryce Hall, but there are so many reasons why having a number one corner, I think, is important for defense in today's NFL. And obviously, passing game, for the most part, runs through the wide receiver position. So, so it's great to have cover linebackers. It's great to have cover safeties. The, for most teams, the go-to guy in the passing game is going to be a wide receiver. So you want to be able to counter that. But beyond that, if you look at the way the Jets play defense, Jets are a team that they play a fair amount of zone on the early downs. But on third down, they like to load the line of scrimmage. They kind of like to mug the gaps, as one of the, as one of the expressions goes in the league. And they like to leave their corners one-on-one. And frequently, they'll play man. They'll play man on those downs. And that means you've got to have somebody who can hold up in man coverage against the other team's best receivers. But beyond that, having a guy who can cover one-on-one elite receivers just makes things so much easier for your defense. It allows you to simplify your coverages. Now listen, the NFL is a zone league these days. With the ad, with the rise of spread offenses, with the rise, rise of three and four receiver sets, there are not many teams who have three, four corners who can cover on every down one-on-one. So that means you've got to play more zone, and most defenses are zone-based. In fact, even the teams that you hear are heavy man teams, they're only running man about half the time. So the teams that you hear about, this is a man-to-man defense, they're still playing zone about half the time. But if you have guys who can cover at least one corner who can match up against the other team's best receivers, it makes things so much easier for you because you can blitz a little bit more. You can help out your pass rush by sending extra rushers at the quarterback because you know that you can hold up against the other team's best receiver. And even if you aren't great in the second and third corner slots, you can at least take away the other team's best weapon. And that is a big deal. That's no small deal. And it's just easier to play, man, because when you're playing zone, you're responsible for a certain area. And zone coverages are more complex. They're more complex to run because when a guy leaves your area, you need to make sure that the guy in the next area is there to cover him. You need to communicate. If there are maybe two guys running into the same area, you need guys out there communicating, saying, I got this guy, you got that guy. So I'm speaking in relative terms here. Every defense in the NFL runs a lot of zone. You're going, no matter who you are, no matter who your corners are, you're going to run a fair share of zone. But having a guy who can cover one-on-one, a number one type corner, allows you to simplify things at least a little bit, at least in a relative sense. It makes your defense simpler. It makes it easier to execute, puts more on the playbook. You can be a little bit riskier with your blitzes. It just makes everything easier. So will Bryce Hall grow into that role? Well, that would be nice. But you could also look to the draft. The Jets, of course, have a pair of top 10 picks. They have four picks in the top 40. Maybe there's a number one corner waiting there. You could also look to free agency. There are a couple of guys about to hit the market who could help them out. So, and of course, listen, the ideal world is that you have two number one corners. If Bryce Hall develops into a number one corner and that you could get another guy who you could consider a number one corner across from him, that's even better. That makes the defense even more dangerous. It it simplifies things even more. It adds even more to the playbook. But I think that this is really a big deal. This is an area where the Jets need to add help. I think it's not just that they need to add an upgrade across from Bryce Hall. They need to add somebody who's a premium player, unless Bryce Hall grows into being a premium player. And I don't want to put that pressure on Bryce Hall, because to be honest with you, the player Bryce Hall was this year, plenty good. He's part of the solution going forward. So listen, I'd love to see Bryce Hall grow into a number one corner, but Part of the reason I don't want to put this expectation on him is that I don't want to make it sound like he's a failure if he doesn't, because he's a good player. He's a success. 
Jets need more players like him. So I hope he could grow to a number one corner, but if he can't, he's still a good player. Maybe the Jets can find somebody else to go get him. Now, ahead here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll continue our look at the big needs on the Jets, what I consider, at least as far as roles go, and we're going to continue to talk about the defense ahead here on the show. And of course, you hope that the Jets are able to fill the needs we're talking about today with players who have upside. On that note, I want to tell you about an app called GetUpside that everybody who buys gas needs to know about. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars or $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. Again, that's code TOUCHDOWN using the GetUpside app. You know, you may not be able to bet on the Jets this weekend because there's way less football being played and only four teams left, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. To sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. Today we're focused on the biggest needs the Jets have this offseason, but the focus is not on position, it's on roles. I think that there are certain roles every team needs to fill if it's going to be successful. In the first segment, I talked about finding a number one corner. Now, in this segment, I'm going to give you what I think is the second biggest role the Jets need filled this offseason. And that's finding what I'd call, I guess, a number one pass rusher. The kind of guy who the offensive coordinator of the opponent stays up late at night worried about. The kind of guy who forces the offensive coordinator of the other team to change his blocking approach to account for him. Now, the good news for the Jets is there are some internal candidates here. And one of them is the guy they signed to fill this role last offseason. That's Carl Lawson, who's coming back from an Achilles injury. I'm not sure I'd pencil him in for this role because we got to see him come back and be healthy. And listen, I do think there are some questions about, is Lawson enough of a finisher? I'm not particularly sympathetic to this argument. I think this guy who generates a ton of pressures, people underestimate how important pressures are. And I think he's been a bit unlucky in his career. His sack totals should be higher. I think if he generates pressures at the same rate, he's going to start improving those sack totals. But, you know, I do want to show you the other side of the argument. There is another side of the argument is maybe he's a big pressure guy, but he can't finish. I don't know that I buy that, but that's that's the argument. And then there are also questions about can he bounce back from the injury. Then you have Quinn and Williams. And to be honest with you, Three seasons into the NFL, I'm not sure Quinton Williams is going to grow into more than what he is. 
And what he is is not awful. Listen, I don't think you can say Quinnen Williams is a bust, but I don't think he's living up to the expectations many of us had for him, and maybe those expectations aren't fair. I mean, even at pick number three overall, I'm not sure how fair it is to ask somebody or demand that somebody be a Pro Bowl-level player, much less an all-pro player. You know, if you look at the the history of draft picks, the success rate is far lower than you think, even as high as number three overall. You know, I think there's a perception that number three overall is a guaranteed star-level player. It's really not. Even as high as third overall, if you look at recent history, it's really a coin toss. And in that context, I think Quinnen Williams is a success. He's a good player. It's just a question of whether he's the dominant force a lot of people were hoping he'd be. I'm not sure he is. I think he's a good player. He's not a great player. Three years into his career... The book is not necessarily completely written on him, but I think we're probably looking at a player who is good, but not great. And maybe if everything falls into place for him, he can have a Pro Bowl type season, but I'm not sure he's the type of guy who is the driving force on a defense. And listen, beyond pass rushing, he's got to improve his run defense. His run defense was not good enough this year. Then you also have John Franklin Myers. He's, he's been a guy who's been an ascending player for the Jets, although I think clearly the second half of the season, aside from the game against Houston, it was not all that great. I'm not sure he's the type of guy who can be a number one pass rusher. So my focus would be probably on loss and if we're talking internally. But again, you look at the resources the Jets have this offseason. I'm not sure they're going to spend big on a pass rusher in free agency, but you got pick four, you've got pick 10, you got two early second round picks. I'm not sure Thibodeau or Hutchinson is going to fall to the Jets at four. If they do, I would imagine the Jets will pick one of them. But there are also going to be other opportunities. There are other quality pass-rushing prospects in this year's draft class. So there is an opportunity to bring somebody else in. And I said this on yesterday's show. You bring in uh, blue-chip prospects on this defensive line, maybe a defensive end, and you've got Carl Lawson in that prospect and the edge, and you've got maybe... Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers on the interior at defensive tackle. That seems pretty formidable to me. That's the type of defensive line where you look at that and you say, okay, that part of our defense is set. And the Jets are really close here. I mean, if one of these guys can develop into a number one type pass rusher, or if they're able to draft somebody early, they have the complementary parts because I think we know at worst, John Franklin Myers and Quinn and Williams should be pretty good number two, number three pass rushers. You wouldn't expect Carl Lawson to fall off completely, or at least you'd hope not. So I think there's reason for optimism on this front. And they find that one guy who can be a destructive force, who can draw consistent double teams and free everybody else up for one-on-one matchups. I think you feel pretty good about that. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll conclude the show. I'll talk about what I think is the number one role need for this team. And it's on the offensive side of the ball. We'll discuss that ahead. And if your number one need is the best tasting protein bar on the market, well, let me suggest Built Bar, because Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and it makes it easier to stick to your your New Year's resolution. I mean, by this time, you're probably thinking this is just not worth it, but Built Bar is so delicious, and it's also healthy. The bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. But like I said, these are delicious. These don't taste like protein bars. 
and there are a lot of delicious flavors to choose from. So you can pick the one you like best. There's coconut almond, there's peanut butter brownie, there's raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, and mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited-time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. And by the way, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15, one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built, B-U-I-L-T dot com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday, talking about the biggest roles the Jets need to fill as they head into the 2022 offseason. In the first two segments, I've talked about roles on defense, but to me, the number one role the Jets need to fill is on offense. And this is the type of role that can be filled by players at a number of positions. Probably wide receiver, though. In most cases, it's going to be wide receiver. There are a few teams that have a tight end in this role. There are even a few teams here or there that have a running back in this role, although running back's not really that significant for most teams in the NFL. they got to find a go-to guy on offense. And the reason that this is my number one role that needs to be filled is because of the urgency this role has when you're developing a young quarterback. You want to make things as simple as possible for a young quarterback. That means giving him a go-to guy. It means giving him somebody he can trust, somebody he can get the ball to, and know, even when the defense is expecting it, that you're going to have a positive play come out of this. And again, sometimes it's a running back. Sometimes it's a guy you can just give the ball to. There aren't that many in the NFL, but there, there are certain backs in this league where you give them the ball and you know they're going to be able to produce, even if the defense is expecting it to come. There are a handful of tight ends. You know, you could argue George Kittle is one of them, where you know, the team on the team that Mike LaFleur came from, where he's kind of like the security blanket, the guy you can throw the ball to in any situation, just throw it up and let him make a play. And then for most teams, though, it's, the, it's a wide receiver. And sometimes it's a speedy guy, some guy, a guy you can throw the ball to out on a screen. Sometimes it's a bigger guy you can trust to win the contested ball situations. But I think every young quarterback needs that guy, that security blanket, that guy you can go to take the pressure off him so that you're not spending the entire game in the pocket needing to scan the entire field with everything on your shoulders. Now, I do think, again, as I mentioned with the first two roles, that there is a potential answer for the Jets internally. And it's a question of how much this guy can grow. And that's Elijah Moore. Moore, of course, got off to a very slow start this season after much fanfare for his performance in training camp, but really began to come along once we reached the midway point of the season and then had an injury and missed the last couple of games, which was unfortunate because it felt like he was really beginning to come into his own. And if you've been watching the San Francisco 49ers during the playoffs, you've noticed Debo Samuel playing really well. I mean, I mentioned Kittle as the go-to guy, although Debo Samuel may be entering that role. And... To me, like, when I watch him, I feel like that's the guy the Jets hope Elijah Moore can be. Listen, I think Elijah Moore has proven he's going to be a good receiver in this league if he can stay healthy. The question is, how good can he be? Is he going to be, like, a number two guy? Is he going to be, like, a supporting option? Or is he going to be the type of guy who changes the game? The type of guy who forces defenses to adjust to him? Because part of helping out a young quarterback means simplifying things for him. And if you have a guy who's drawing that much attention, it's going to open up one-on-ones for other players. Now, I'll say this for the Jets. This is not a disaster offense the way it was with Sam Darnold, or if you want to go back in time, Geno Smith, or if you really want to go back in time, Mark Sanchez's last year or two. I mean, those were offenses where 
I'm not sure any young quarterback could function. And quite frankly, I'm not sure those quarterbacks would have been good in better circumstances, but the Jets gave those quarterbacks no chance. This is not a disaster situation for Zach Wilson, but I think you'd like to add that premium piece. Or hope Elijah Moore grows into that premium piece. And again, you look at the resources the Jets have this offseason. Decent amount of cap space. There are some intriguing receivers who could be on the market. I mean, I'm not sure the Jets are going to be able to get Devontae Adams, although he's obviously the guy at the top of the list. I'm not sure he's going to want to come to the Jets. Not sure the Jets are going to pay him what he wants, right or wrong. But there, you know, there are some intriguing options potentially in free agency. But beyond that, you look at what's available. Again, four picks in the top 40. Maybe they can get a wide, a wide receiver in here who can grow with Zach Wilson. And also with four picks in the top 40, there could be some receivers available on the trade market. And maybe you deal one of those picks and get a more veteran guy in here along the lines of what the Bills did with trading for Stephon Diggs a couple of years back to give Josh Allen a more experienced option. Maybe you want to match the young Elijah Moore with a more experienced receiver and give Zach Wilson somebody with some veteran savvy he can lean upon. So there are plenty of options here for the Jets. Again, this is a situation where I'm kind of optimistic about the Jets' ability to add this player or maybe even Elijah Moore developing into this player, or maybe both. I mean, listen, I just mentioned San Francisco where you've got Debo Samuel and George Kittle. You may you could argue they have two of those guys. Having two go-to options is even better than one. So we'll see what the Jets can do. I, again, I am kind of optimistic about what they can do on this front, but I think it's important to find this guy or have Elijah Moore develop into that guy. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but that's all for today's show. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy what you hear, subscribe to this show and leave it a five-star review. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the conference championship games. We'll be back on Monday to talk more Jets.